Micah, thank you guys. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Jesus, for amazing grace. In fact, let's, uh, let's, let's invite him real quick. Father, we are here for an encounter with you. We pray by your Holy Spirit. I pray you would take all these words, all this message, all these songs, translate them to our hearts for what we need today, Lord. We want to worship you. We want to encounter you. And we want to leave different than we came in. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. I'm excited about today. We are in this series, What's in Your Hand, and if you have not been with us, a quick review. We're talking about those things that we hold in our lives that are completely ordinary, that when we lay them down before God, they become extraordinary. We've talked about things like our, our heart and our, our money and our worship, and today we're going to speak on a subject that I know many of you are just going to be thrilled about. Today we're going to speak about the church, because what's more inspiring than a, the church, Right? All right, that's what I thought. You know, I don't know what comes to mind when, when I, I ask your, how you feel about the word church, but my hunch is it's a far cry from what the people of the first century felt and thought, about, thought of when they heard the word church. You see, in the first century, from the very beginning, the church was a movement. It was a movement. It didn't begin as an institution. It didn't begin with liturgy, it didn't have any symbols, it didn't have any tradition, there weren't even hymns yet. Shocking. There was not a band, there wasn't even a Bible. There wasn't any of these. There wasn't a facility or a building or staff or hierarchy. From the very beginning, the church began as a movement, and a movement around a very simple idea. An idea that some churches just talk about once a year. You see, the church was launched around an event in history. And that event was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it was that resurrection of Jesus that galvanized these first century believers because they believed that Jesus was who he claimed he was. Even after they saw him get crucified, when they saw him resurrected, they knew he was who he said he was. And it was that simple event, and it was their simple testimony of these eyewitnesses that basically launched the local church. And from the very beginning, Jesus intended the church to be a movement. Now, I want to I give you a little background today as we go through what is the church and the church being in our hand. Your involvement, your, your place here is in your hand, and it might seem ordinary, but I'm going to show you that it is extraordinary if you lay it down to God. We're going to talk about some Greek. You guys like Greek? Yeah, a couple of you. Listen, whenever you read the New Testament and you see the word church, it's a translation from a Greek word. And the Greek word is ecclesia. Everybody say that with me. Ecclesia. Say it one more time. Ecclesia. You all are students now of it. And all throughout the New Testament, you, you see this word, this little Greek word, ecclesia. And it simply means a gathering of people. It doesn't blow anybody away. It means congregation. Ecclesia is a people. You see, when Jesus launched the church, he launched it as a gathering of people around one simple idea, around a simple mission with a simple focus. That was his original holy intent, a gathering of people, a congregation of movement, of people. But then something terrible happened. You see, as time went on, it, it, it transitioned from this idea of a movement and it began to transition. The, the, the thoughts about church transitioned from a movement to a location. From a gathering 
to a hierarchy. From a, from a dynamic around a simple message and a simple event in history, the resurrection, to something entirely different. It changed from a people to a place. If you know history or, or church history or medieval history, you know that the church went through some terrible, embarrassing times where there were some things that were horribly wrong with the church. And during this horrible time of history, when it was launched, it was launched in some way, shape, or form by the very misunderstanding of the word church we're going to talk about today. When church stopped being a people of a movement and started being a location. This little, this little Greek word, ecclesia, it couldn't be any clearer. It means people, it means congregation. But the word church, where do we get that? Well, around 300 A.D., there's a German word, and I think I should say it, they're gone right now, Kirke. And it means literally the Lord's house. The Lord's house. You see, it already went from the Lord's people to the Lord's house. A gathering place for a certain people of a certain faith. And from the time of Christ, in just 300 short years, the original idea of a people, a congregation, a movement, an assembly, transitioned to how we get the English word today. Church. You going to church? I'm going to miss church. What time is church? You see, it changed. Ecclesia didn't. You would never ask, what time is Ecclesia? You going to Ecclesia? You wouldn't ask that. There's a transition that happened. The original tent of Jesus, this Ecclesia, a movement of people fueled by beauty, fueled by passion of his resurrection, is far different. That's far different than the church that we speak of, a location, a time. We transition from a people of the resurrected Jesus to the place where the people meet. And this, in fact, this is a throwback to the Old Testament. And you may have heard this from us before. In the Old Testament, there was a temple. And they had to go to a location and they had to have a high priest. They, to go to God, they had to go to a location and go to a priest. But thank you to Jesus. After the resurrection, we didn't need to go to a place, it was personal. And we no longer needed a high priest to go through because the Bible was clear that Jesus is our high priest. You don't need to go through anybody anymore. But this terrible linguistic transition from Ecclesia to church came with some terrible theology. Because you see, whoever controlled the building and the religious part of it could control the scripture. And whoever controlled the scripture could control the people. And you may know your history back in Europe, they controlled the building, they controlled the scripture, they controlled the people, and they actually even controlled the government. This is not what Jesus intended church to be. Over time, what began as a movement of distributing truth to the world became very insider-focused, very ritualistic, power-based, or even worse, in some cases, it became pagan and, and immoral, destructive, and we see unethical activities happen that have absolutely no reflection of what Jesus had in mind when he launched Ecclesia. And the echoing effects of this linguistic shift away from Ecclesia resulted in some things that are very embarrassing for us. The history of Christianity is indefensible at times. In fact, if someone asks me to defend Christianity, I will not. I stand with Jesus and I follow him. 
You see, what happened in the history books of Christianity when it shifted church from a people to a location benefited very few, but harmed many. And even today, and you might be one of them here in this place, but you probably know somebody who's been wounded by the church, who has a bad view of the church. That wasn't Jesus' intent. When the church became a location, it became a place of power. And religious power brokers began to wield it over the people that Jesus called to be Ecclesia. But then something awesome happened. In the early 1500s, a scholar showed up on the scenes. His name was William Tyndale. And he was an author and he was a linguistic scholar. And he decided it was time for the average person to have access to God's word. It's something that hadn't been done before. Because you see, in that day and age, if you wanted to hear God's word, you had to go to a church and have a priest read you out of a book in a language you didn't understand. You had no access to God's truth. They had no way to personally read God's word. If you control the Bible, you control the truth. Control the truth, you control the church. And William Tyndale had enough of this. He desired that the people of his country would have the access to God's word in their own language, so he began to translate it. And thanks to Gutenberg's printing, there were copies made. Now, I don't know if you, have, you can guess how this went over with the religious leaders. It didn't go over well. Tyndale became an outlaw, kind of like a Bible bootlegger. He had, to, he had to leave England and flee to Germany, where he continued his translation. He was, he was eventually betrayed by his friend. He was hauled back to England. He was tried in front of the courts as a heretic. They hanged him, and if that wasn't enough, they decided to burn his body afterward as an enemy of the church. But it was too late. The word was out. Literally. English-speaking people had access to God's word, and the institutional church, the church that thought in terms of location and control, began to lose its power as people began to see something in God's word about freedom. Now, one of the things that drove the religious people crazy in Tyndale's day was as he was translating, when he got to the word ecclesia, do you think he used the word church? No. He did not translate ecclesia to church. He translated it to congregation, meaning people. He didn't make it a location. He made it a people, as Jesus intended. Now, with all this said, I'm not going to stand up here today and try to undo centuries of tradition and our cultural norms now and say, we're not going to call it church anymore. We're going to have ecclesia. We're not going to do that. My challenge today, we could still use the word church, but my challenge to us is that we think of it differently. My biggest challenge is that you, through this, through the power of the Holy Spirit speaking, that you would think of yourself differently in terms of the church. In the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 13, you can turn to it or it will be on the screens above us. Jesus gathers his disciples around for a discussion. It says this, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they replied, you know, some say John the Baptist and some say Elijah and others say Jeremiah or one of the, the prophets. You know, the scuttlebutt around the country was that Jesus was a powerful prophet doing powerful things, that he was sent from heaven to do great works. Catch this, he was sent from God, but they didn't think he was God. You're, you're a powerful prophet sent by God. But then Jesus takes this question from general to personal. What about you? 
Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said this, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. I would have loved to have seen Jesus' response to Peter's confession. Verse 17, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by, the fa- by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I want to reread this again to make sure we, we see the intent of Jesus. Remember, ecclesia means a movement of Christ, the people of Christ, not a location. So let's see what Jesus would have said here. Jesus replied in verse 17, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, that's your confession of Jesus, that I am the Messiah, on this rock, I will build my ecclesia. On this rock, I'm going to build my ecclesia, Peter. I'm not going to build a building. I'm not going to build a a location. I'm building a people. Peter, I'm going to build a movement. And these people, Peter, the gates of death and hell will not be able to stand against them. I'm building a people, Peter. Death cannot stand against them. What that that, that means is no matter how many people died, no matter how many people they tried to kill off to stop the movement, it would continue forever, and it continues to this day. It was about a movement of people who loved God and loved people and kept Jesus the main thing. It was not about a building. It was not about any of the things we get confused about church in, about what we like or don't like or what turns us off. It was about a, a people. Not too long after that, Jesus was crucified. He rose from the dead and began to spend some time with his disciples, about 40 days. And after 40 days, he gathered gathered them on a hillside because he wanted to talk to them one more time. And in Acts 2, we see something. He predicts, Acts 1, he predicts something, and it's so cool. He predicts the beginning of the church. Now, he's already told Peter that on his confession that Jesus is the Christ, I'm going to launch a movement, launch a people. And just before he leaves the planet, he tells his disciples this, Acts 1, verse 6. So when they met together, they asked Jesus. They were talking to him. Lord, are, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? You know, they're, ta- they're talking about a kingdom now here on earth. Are you going to get a throne and set up a kingdom? And in verse 7 he said, um, it, it's not for you to know the time and date the Father has set by his authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, I, I wonder what they thought. Power? We're going to receive power from the Spirit of God? What what kind of special power? What are are we going to do with this power? And he says this, and you will be, because of this power, my witnesses. Now, the the word here for witnesses is is how we would think of it in a court. Somebody who would testify something. Somebody who would accurately represent an event. Somebody who would accurately represent a person and what they have done. Uh, You're going to get this power and you will be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is where they were. You'll be my witnesses in Judea, which is the border area. You'll be my witnesses in Samaria. That's the area they didn't even want to go. And you'll be my witnesses to the end of the earth. Jesus says here that his ecclesia, his people of the movement, will move locally, then regionally, then nationally, and then globally. He told this ragtag group of disciples that, he, that they were going to be a people who would speak about his resurrection 
and the world would change for all time. And just like Jesus predicted, thousands of years later, here we are. Here you sit. You sit because of that prophecy that he declared. We sit here now worshiping him, just as he said that we would continue on. Do you know what connects the Protestants and the Catholics and the Pentecostals and the Baptists? Do you know what connects every person who believes in Jesus in every culture? And not even every culture, but down through history, from all times in every culture, what connects the people of Jesus? Is it worship? It's not worship. It's not style of worship. It's not liturgy. It's not customs or tradition. It's not even how we do communion. The only thing that galvanizes the people of Jesus from every culture and throughout time is Jesus Christ the son of the living God, and that he died and that he rose again, and his death paid for the sins. And it is not about a location. It's about a people. It's about a savior who died and rose again and launched a movement of people, not a, didn't launch a movement of locations. But in that spirit, in that dynamic, in that momentum and movement that Jesus spoke forth, the world would never be the same. And this is what's so cool. Since the beginning, since the beginning when Jesus said this, there's always been a remnant, a remnant of people that understands that ecclesia, that church, is a movement, not a location. There's always been these people. And, and they know there's always a message that must be spread. There's a message that must touch down in every region, to every culture, in every language. And so there's been this remnant, and they've been Bible translators, and evangelists, and Bible smugglers, and preachers, and people who have served, and people who have taken care of the poor that no one knows about. And throughout every generation, there's been a remnant that said, it's not about location, it's not about hierarchy, it is a people, and I am that people. I am the church, and I've been given a mission and a message that the world needs. There have always been people who've gotten that. In Orchard, we are beginning to get this, which is why when we meet in our growth groups, when you gather together in your growth groups, you are the church. When you gather together and serve communities, and serve outside, outside the walls. You are the church. When you gather together and go overseas on a mission trip, you're moving together as the church. When you come into this building and you listen and we sing and we have community, we gather together not at the church, but as the church. We are Ecclesia. We are the people of the movement that he launched we are the people of the message charged with forwarding this movement built on the death and resurrection of Jesus. And this is why at the orchard, we aren't just gathering here to location for our own selves. We gather as a family of believers. We gather as a body of believers to working together. In fact, God's word often refers to the church as a body with Jesus as the head. And one thing I love about Charlie is he says this continually. That Jesus is the, is the functioning head of this church, the orchard. Ephesians 1 says this, And God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be a head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness 
of him who fills everything in every way. Colossians 1.17, Jesus is before all things and holds all things together, and he is the head of the body, his church. It's not a location. The fact that God calls the church a body indicates that the church is more of a living organism than a religious organization. A body is not a religious organization. It's an organism. And organisms grow and mature and develop. When we begin to see that the body of Christ, that we are the body of Christ, and that he is our head, it could change everything. You see how empowered you are. But if we continue, if we continue to see ourselves as an institution, a location, we show up, you know, when we can show up and we put in our time. If I'm serving, you know, I'm, I'm volunteering, I'm doing my duty. But when we get past this belief that church is a time and a location, we no longer volunteer. You don't volunteer. We are teammates on mission. We're part of a family. We're sacrificing for each other. We have two services. When you see that you are the ecclesio, you say there's two services. I'm going to attend one and serve one, whichever order it is, because I am this church. And what I do for this body, I do so the others can go do what they do. I'm not just a volunteer. I am on the team, sacrificing for the other members of the team. So much so that if you go work in the children's classrooms, you're not, quote, watching the kids. We are not babysitting. We are raising up the next generation of this movement. That's what's happening up there. You are a part of the body, leading the children. So that the other members, so that those moms who get one hour a week to come sit in here can do so. Amen? Amen. You know, when you see the need to sign up and be a leader with the high school or middle school ministry, you're not just a chaperone. Listen, you are in the ministry of prevention for a youth who may not get a loving or a wise word from an adult the rest of the week. You're an agent of the movement pouring into youth at an age where the world is trying to conquer and destroy their heart. We are Ecclesia. This is our body. We get to rise up and do this. We don't need to wait for other people to go fill the holes. We are Ecclesia. If you have musical talent or vocal talent, get involved in the worship team. You're not showing off. You're not just singing or just playing. You are standing before the people of God, pointing at the Savior of the world. Using your gifts and your talents, spending an extra night for worship practice, sacrificing so that the people in the body of Christ can benefit from the gifts God has given you. There are hundreds of jobs that keep this movement going, behind the scenes stuff that no one sees. And you're not, you're not unimportant, you're not unappreciated. You're a member of the body of, the, of Christ, doing kingdom work. So the movement continues to go forward. If you choose to step into this 90-day day giving challenge and give your offerings to God, you're not, you're not paying dues, you're not tipping. You're investing the temporary resources God has entrusted to you for eternal means, an eternal mission. In light of what Jesus established, in light of what he established and launched, and what he told Peter, I'm going to build my people. I'm going to build my people, and, and hell will not stand against it. In, in light of that, the most mundane, the most religious things that have to happen to keep the movement going forward can be dusted off and cleaned off to show the holy and powerful mission below that.
that we are the church. We are Ecclesia. Orchard, the church was Jesus' idea. Humanity messed it up. But it was his idea. And we have to get beyond this insidious belief that we attend church. We have to go beyond this crippling view that the church is this location. We have to get beyond the paralyzing perspective that the church happens on Sunday morning. Because as long as we are duped into believing that, it's no longer a movement of what could be. It's a monument of what could have been. It's no longer a mission for a living Savior. It's a memorial to a dead religion. And I don't want any part of that. When church is a building, our spiritual life is measured in our attendance, not our love and compassion. When church is a, is a service, our spiritual life is volunteered and, or measured by our volunteering, not our leadership. When church is just a meeting, our giving becomes duty, not generosity birthed out of gratitude for all he's done. When church is the paid staff, we don't have to open our mouths on the mission. We'll leave that to the professionals. Listen, we are the church. We are the people of the movement of Jesus, bought and paid for by the blood of his sacrifice and, and resurrection. We are commissioned to go into all the world and love God and love people with a clarified mission that is this. Jesus is the main thing. It is all from him. It is all for him. We are on mission to be witnesses of his love, of his grace, of his forgiveness. Orchard, it is time. It is time that we realize that we are the church. It's time that we stood up and said, I am the church. I don't attend church. I am the church. It's time we took our place in this movement and watched as the gates of hell don't stand against us. As he promised. Orchard, we are a living, breathing movement of Jesus, a people on a mission. And it's time that we, us, the sleeping giant called the church, awaken from our religious duty on a Sunday and fight the darkness and hopelessness that it's at war out there. Where you go, the church is. Where you go, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus called us to love God and love people, all people. And in this movement, in this movement of this church, we carry one banner. And that banner is not political, never. That banner is not denominational or social or culture, the banner that we wave is Jesus Christ. His life, his death, his resurrection. We are ecclesia and we are here because he called us. It is from him and it is for him. I want to encourage you today, Orchard, to rise up into your rightful place. To rise up in your rightful place in this ecclesia. Why? Because we have a grand mission ahead. A grand vision inside of us, loving God and loving people. You are a part of the body of Christ. You are a part of the family of Christ. This is us, Ecclesia. We, we are the church. You don't go to church anymore. You don't skip church anymore. You are the church. We are the church. I would say invest, invest here. Dive in here with your leadership, with your resources, with your efforts. Literally 
if we, the Ecclesia, stood up with our time, treasure, talents, leadership, resources, we could change the landscape of this region. Stop waiting for professionals to do it or somebody else to do it. We are the church, and we have a mission, and we are a movement, and we have a message. Choose to engage in the body of Christ. Let us be that remnant. When God looks down, may we be that remnant who knows it's a movement. It's a mission for Jesus. And Orchard, the gates of hell cannot stand against Jesus. As we go to communion and as you hold the symbol of his, his death and resurrection, I want you to thank him for all he's done. Because of what he launched, we get to be Ecclesia. Thank him. And as you take that, and then I would, I would ask you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help me see my place in Ecclesia. I am the church. Show me my place. Tom, are you the church? I like that. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. I'm so glad this is your idea. I pray that for us here and those listening on podcast, that your spirit would show us that we are your church. And Father, you have an amazing mission for us. Clarify for us, we no longer attend church. Church attends wherever we go. Hear our worship and hear our prayer. If you're here today and you have a prayer request, anything from a blessing something, to a big ask, whatever it would be, we're going to have people up front ready and willing to pray for you. But church, let's respond with our whole heart.